Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today we're starting a brand new series that's called When Life Gives You Lemons. The title of today's message is Your First Response. We pray you enjoy today's word. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, family. Can I get some waves? Wave at somebody. Let them know that you are present. You're alive and well. It is Sunday, and it truly is a great day. And I just want to thank you all for giving us the opportunity to enter into your homes, to speak into your lives, to point you back to the truth of God's Word. In everything that we're doing uh, here at Church at the Bridge, our aim is simply this, to give people the truth in God's Word and so that you can discover the hope that God has for your life. And today, we are starting a new series entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. When Life Gives You Lemons. Now, have you ever heard that phrase, when life gives you lemons? Somebody finish that with me. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's what we've all heard, right? But the thing about it is that the thinking behind this uh, saying, this, this little mantra that many people have, brings home a simple but a very powerful principle. And it's this, that how you respond to life in times of difficulty determines the difficulty in your situation. Let me say that again. How you respond to life in times of difficulty determines the difficulty in your situation. Now, I just heard somebody think this, and you probably were tempted to type this, or you're probably wrestling with this thought now. Well, wait a minute. Things only get difficult when difficult circumstances come. I beg to differ, friends. As we look to God's word today, I I guarantee you that what you're going to see is this, that difficulty happens to us all. But how we respond to difficulty is a matter of choice. It's a matter of how you respond first. Look, it's no secret that we all go through tough times. But in the midst of life lemons, there is lemonade. I'm going to say that again. In the midst of life's lemons, there is lemonade. And what you do in those moments of difficulty can make or break you. And so today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, your first response. We presently find ourselves in a unique situation. More and more people find themselves at home in the midst of these trying times. And the goal in staying home is to avoid creating a bigger problem than the one we're currently facing. And so, see, while that's appropriate and necessary for the time being, I believe that there's something of greater importance that many people today are missing in the midst of the challenges that we're currently facing. It's this, that we can all overcome the hurdles that are currently before us, but it really depends on how we're responding to them. And so let me share a story with you just to kind of prime the pump here and get you thinking a little bit. It says that there was a priest who was confronted by a soldier while he was walking down a road in the pre-revolutionary Russian era. And this soldier aimed his rifle at the priest and commanded him and, and said to him, who are you? Where are you going? And why are you going there? Now, what's interesting is that this priest was unfazed, and he calmly replied, how much do they pay you? Somewhat surprised, the soldier responded, 25 kopecks a month. And the priest paused, and in a deeply thought 
full manner, he said, I have a proposal for you. I'll pay you 50 kopecks each month if you stop me here every day and challenge me to respond to those same three questions. The point is simply this. How would you respond to someone who asked you those same three questions? Who are you? Where are you going? And why are you going there? My point with that is simply this. That like this priest in this story, when confronted with adversity, your first response is the most important one. Your first response, it's the most important one. It's often the difference between making the best of your situation or making it worse. And so we must take note of what is happening within us first in order to best respond to what is happening around us. In every trial of life, we find three things that come into question. The question, who am I, our identity, comes into question when we're facing challenges. The question, where am I going, comes into question at that moment in the, in the, in the face of difficulty. And why am I going there? See, difficult times will always challenge our identity, the direction for our lives, and, and, and also our determination to stay on the right path. And so when faced with these questions, you and only you can answer them. And how you answer them will determine how you'll navigate through the difficulty. And so when life gives you lemons, let me encourage you that your life doesn't have to go sour. See, it's up to you and me to make lemonade. There's something that we can draw in the midst of challenges that gives us strength, that gives us perspective, and that gives us a new pathway through which to uh, walk upon in the midst of difficulty. And so in John chapter 21, we find a man named Peter. And this guy Peter, at this juncture in his life, is living with the weight of regret. He's riddled with shame and hurt that all stemmed from a wrong response in the face of adversity. See, prior to this moment, Peter had faithfully followed Christ. He had said, I'll never leave you, Lord. I'll always follow you. You'll always be my Lord and Savior. And he shared life with Jesus. He and he'd learned much from him, and he'd partaken of, in the witnessing of great miracles, and he had even participated in a few. But when it mattered most, the moment when Jesus was betrayed, and Peter's faith and relationship to Christ came into question, we find that Peter responded by denying his identity as a disciple of Christ. He denied the direction that his faith in Christ had defined, and he denied his determination to continue with him. The scriptures say that Peter even went so far as to curse Jesus. And so in the midst of all this, what we see is that Luke 22 verse 62 tells us that at this crucial turning point of denial, Jesus locked eyes with Peter. And at the remembrance of the words of Jesus concerning this moment in his life, the Bible says that Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. And so I want us to look at the aftermath of this as we begin to dig in 
to this topic today of your first response. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 21, verses 1 through 22. Starting at verse 1, it says that after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately they got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And the Bible says in verse 6 that Jesus said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's speaking of John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he, he, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. And he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. And then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish, which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat, and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? The scriptures say that Peter was grieved because it was the third time that Jesus asked him this question, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger... You, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Let's, let's stop right there at verse 20. And I want us to kind of really dig into what's going on here. At this point in Peter's life, 
we see that Peter and the disciples have had an encounter with Jesus on three previous occasions. In other words, Jesus has already been resurrected and he's shown himself to them three times. He's come to Peter. And yet in the midst of all these times, something went on unresolved after his resurrection. And so what we see is that Peter's living with an unresolved issue. And the reason why we know it is because according to the scriptures, Jesus goes there with him. Jesus meets him at the place of his failure and he restores him from it. And so while there's a lot that can be said about that, I'd like to focus on one important detail for the moment. Because you see, Peter went back to fishing, but Jesus went back to the place of restoration. And for each and every one of us as we face difficulties, what I want, what I want us to see is this, that Jesus meets us there. And so while Peter was still living on the side of bitterness and his life had gone sour, Jesus was unwilling to leave him there. And though Jesus was unwilling to leave him there, the journey from bitter to better hung in the balance of the decision that Peter had to make at that moment. Would he continue fishing or go back to feeding the young in the church that was soon to arise? Would he continue nursing his regrets and his hurts? Or would he choose to embrace the restoration that Christ was setting before him at that moment so that he could render healing and care to those around him? Or would he continue stuck in the past or would he grow from it so that he could help others grow from the stage of lambs to the place of maturity as sheep? In the end, what we see is this, that Peter had to make a choice. He had to choose to make lemonade instead of living with his lemons. My friends, like Peter, we too can find the best in the worst of life's circumstances. We too can find the best results in light of the trail of the bad choices that we've made and the consequences that we may be reaping. But to make the shift from bitter to better, to see better results in life in the midst of present challenges, something has to happen. We must realize that it starts with God's work within us. I want us to look at God's word for instruction to see how we can shift from bitter to better, how we can go from lemons to lemonade. And the first thing I want to encourage you with here is simply this, that it begins with a personal choice. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Believe it or not, you and I are responsible for our responses in the face of adversity and the results that we get while in those challenges. Look, I'm not denying the fact that we don't have control over what people have done to us, what people do to us, what circumstances arise in our life. You may not be able to control that, but I will tell you what you and I can control. We can control our responses. And that's the the point of most importance in the midst of challenges. Why? Because it will determine how we fare in the midst of life's storms. And so the book of Deuteronomy is largely comprised of instruction for the people of Israel. 
it's instruction for them before they enter into the land that God has promised them. And so the book of Deuteronomy is largely comprised of, uh, it's a recollection of Moses' final warnings, uh, the caution that he's giving the people of Israel as they're about to enter the place of promise. The thing about it is that at this point, Moses has himself disqualified himself from going to the place of promise. Why? Because of a negative response in the midst of a challenging point in his life. I'll leave that for another time. But Moses, what we find in the book of Deuteronomy, is giving the people instructions to safeguard them. Why? Because these people are about to enter a place of great blessing. But they would have to overcome great enemies to get there. And so at the tail end of these instructions, Moses brings them to a place of personal decision. Kind of like what we need to do in the midst of challenges. Deuteronomy 30 verses 19 and 20 record the words of Moses to the people of Israel and even to our lives. Listen to what he says. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Now, I want to pause right there for a moment because I want you to see that God never intended you to live in hardship. God never intended for anyone to live in curses. The Bible says that Jesus became a curse for us upon the tree that we might be the righteousness of God, that we might partake of healing. So what I want you to see is that God's will is not your difficulties. God's will is not the challenges that we're facing. He says, choose life. Now watch what he says. He says, that you may, he says, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants, watch this, may live. He says that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may dwell, watch this, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. It's talking about a land of promise. And though the people of Israel had great promise ahead of them, they still had the power to choose their outcomes by their personal responses in the face of of adversity. The point is this. God has a good life ahead of you. Each and every one of us woke up to a good life. Oh, I get it. Some of us, we're still looking at the challenges. The problem is we're not looking to the life. It's the life that God has predetermined for you. It's a good life. But like Peter, see, Peter didn't choose the adversity he was facing when confronted with the threats of others because of his relationship with Jesus. But he did have to choose how he would respond. And friends, I bring you good news. Now, for some of us, this may ruffle our feathers a bit. But the truth is this, that we too must choose life. We must choose how we respond. See, for Peter, unfortunately, he chose incorrectly. And it came at a great personal expense to him, a weight that he carried. Now think about it. Right to the moment of Peter's restoration, Peter knew that Jesus was alive. 
And as such, he also knew that there was great promise ahead. But up until this very moment in John 21, where Jesus restores him, Peter lived with the weight of his dilemma. I find it interesting that Peter denied Jesus three times. And what's interesting to me, and I'm not saying that this is gospel here, but what I find interesting is that Jesus restored him three times. He affirmed him three times. He reminded him of his call. He reminded him that he was chosen. He reminded him that his life had purpose. He reminded him that he was still a child in the kingdom of God. He reminded him that he still belonged to him. He reminded him that they were still in relationship. Friends, I I believe that God is reminding you and me that even right now in the challenges that may be weighing some of us down, in the challenges that are overwhelming so many people today, I believe that there's a reminder that God brings to you and I. And it's this, I'm still your friend. I'm still faithful to my word. The Bible says that even when we are unfaithful, He remains faithful because he cannot deny his nature. God is that good to you, and there's restoration available to you. I'm telling you, you don't have to live with lemons. Life doesn't have to be sour. You don't have to settle in bitterness. You can get better. You can rise and discover the sweetness of life that God has for you this day. And so I'm reminded of something right now. Um, about God getting better. I remember reading this uh, short little joke of this little girl who's sitting with her grandfather, and she's sitting on his, on his knee, and she says, Grandpa, did God make you? And he says, oh, yes, sweetie, God made me a long time ago. And as she looked at him and she listened to him, she focused on his wrinkles, she focused on the sagging chin, she focused on the grays and the balding hair, And she says, Grandpa, did God make me too? And he says, oh, yes, sweetie, he made you just recently. And she thought about that for a moment. And she said, Grandpa, God is getting better, isn't he? I'll tell you why I share that. Because with God, life gets better and better. But you have to make the choice for the life that he's made possible even in the midst of the lemons that life is throwing at you right now. The second point that I want to give you here is this. It's that you determine the amount of strength that you use to overcome adversity. I'm going to read that again. You determine the amount of strength that you use to overcome adversity. Peter did not falter because he did not have faith. Think about this. Peter believed in Jesus. Peter, Peter, Peter didn't falter. He didn't fail. He didn't deny Jesus because he didn't have faith. Peter faltered in the face of adversity because he did not use much of his faith. There was something in his heart at that moment that challenged his faith. And the thing about it is that according to Luke chapter 22, Jesus was right there with him. Jesus was still looking upon him. Jesus was still present. And so Jesus was right there when his faith was challenged. But instead of drawing from his faith in Christ and reaping strength at that moment in the Christ who was still with him, 
Peter looked to the people around him, and he grew faint. This, this, is, this wasn't uncommon to Peter, and I don't believe that it's uncommon to us. I think that we can all understand this. There's a portion in Scripture that says that there was a time where Peter saw Jesus walking on water, and he wanted to do the same thing. And so he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And the Bible says that the, the disciples that were with him in the boat that he was in, they're all freaking out. They're all afraid. They're all cowering. They're all assuming the worst. They're saying it's a ghost. They can't even recognize it's Jesus. And in the midst of all that doubt and the fear, Peter dared to ask to do what God had told him he could do. Remember, Jesus told him, you'll do even greater things than these things that I'm doing. And so the Bible says that Jesus told him, come. And Peter began to walk on water. But the Bible says that he then became conscious of the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. The reason why I remind you and I of this story, and I share it with us today, is because the words of Jesus in that moment when he was sinking were, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, it wasn't that he didn't have faith. It was that he placed more emphasis on doubt. And for us, it's important to understand this in the face of adversity. Listen to Proverbs 24, verses 10 through 12. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Listen to what the scripture is telling us. When we falter, when we fall short, when we increase in the area of doubt and forsake the faith that is ours in God, what's happening is this. There's a small usage of strength. Verse 11 says, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? And so in verse 10, as we read, what we see is that if we faint in the day of adversity, it's because we faced it with little use of strength. And what we see is in verses 11 and 12, they proceed to illustrate for us the intent of this strength in the face of adversity. Notice that verse 11 tells us that by this strength, we bring deliverance to those who are drawn toward death. It tells us that we hold back those who are in peril. In other words, by this strength, we're exerting power. Not just power for ourselves, but power that brings peace in the midst of storms to those around us. But the key to understanding this principle lies in verse 12. See, for the person who says, I didn't know that I could do this. I didn't know that I had this strength available. The scripture says that this person will reap according to their deeds. See, in other words... You can only proceed and act with the strength that you acknowledge and use for yourself. I'm telling you right now that you have the strength to get up. 
Go ahead and type amen. Go ahead and share that with somebody. I'm telling you right now that you're not done, that you're not out. I'm telling you that in the midst of lemons, there is something sweet that you can squeeze out of the circumstances that you're facing. Because God is with you and God is for you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 that you can do all things through Christ that is your strength. But listen closely. You must do something for the strength within you to work. Let me read it to you again. You can do. Somebody type. Somebody say, I can do. Listen, now, everybody gets excited about the Scripture saying that you can do all things through Christ that is your strength. But let me challenge you with a question for personal reflection. Are you doing something with the strength that God has given you? Are you faltering in doubt or are you rising and taking a hold of the strength that is yours? See, you must do something for the strength within you to work. You know, recently, uh, right before all this uh, started happening with the current health crisis that the world is facing, I, uh, I uh, found myself uh, receiving a call that I wasn't expecting. What ended up happening was that there was a call from one of the families in our church, and they, they reached out and they said, our mom is in the hospital. Now, we had been aware of that, and we had been encouraging and following up and providing support. But at that moment, something happened that they were, were, weren't expecting. They, they, they weren't, it wasn't the result they wanted. This, this family's uh, dear mother was at the point of a coma and everything was going south. It was, it was a hard circumstance for this family. It was a hard situation for people associated with, with, this, with this woman. It was hard for many people. And we ourselves knew this, this, this particular mom. And, it was, and I'm not going to deny that it wasn't hard for us. But what struck me in the midst of this very, very tender and hurtful situation at that time was the response of one of the sisters. As I was standing there with them and we were sharing the word with them and we were encouraging them and we were providing support and, 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 and counsel and we were pointing them back to the word of God and we were, you know, there with them in the midst of all this, uh, hard, uh, these hearts, this hard situation, I, I turned to one of the sisters and I said, how are you doing right now in the midst of this? And what struck me was her response in contrast to some of the other people around her. Everyone loved this woman. But at that moment, what she said was interesting. She said to me, I'm confident that God is still good. And, and what was interesting was that she said, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not worrying and I'm not mourning and I'm not hurting in the midst of our loss. She says, I know that death is not the final blow. She says, I know that I will see my mom again. She says, I know that she's better off right now. 
And what I saw was a strength within her that transcended to her entire family. Listen, this family went from hurting and mourning to rejoicing and celebrating her life. They had a perspective that caused them to rise above the waves when they were drowning. These people were able to get back up and they approached this with a joy that shocked the doctors, that shocked the nurses. And in the midst of it, I looked at them, I looked upon them, and I said, Lord, you're in their midst. See, that's what I'm talking about when I say to you that you must do something with the strength that's within you. See, strength is present for us all, but we have to employ that strength in the midst of the difficulties of life. Despite their loss, not only did she gain great strength, but she brought great strength to all. See, in the midst of life's lemons, we can find lemonade. The last point that I want to leave you with here as we're closing up is this, that a loss is never a loss for you. A loss is never a loss for you. Listen, Peter had sustained a great personal loss the night that he denied Jesus. He lived with guilt. The Bible tells us that he left that situation bitter, hurting. He left struggling. And so he had gone to lengths he never imagined possible for him. He denied Jesus. But the thing is that Jesus was not done with him. And right now, you need to know that Jesus is not done with you either. He's not done with you. Go ahead and tell somebody, I'm not done. Go ahead right now and encourage yourself. And tell yourself, I am not done. There's strength available to me. You know what's interesting about the word crisis in the Greek? The word crisis in the Greek means is the word opportunity for us in English. And I'll tell you why that's important. Because you can't miss the opportunity in the midst of crisis in life. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, and verses 16 through 18 as we close today. It says, starting at verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, and it's not from us. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Go ahead and tell somebody, I'm not crushed. He says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Listen to verses 16 through 18. Now, mind you, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church. And he's telling them about their current circumstances. And you would think that in the midst of, he's not saying we're just being squeezed. He's saying, man, we're crushed. He's saying, man, it's hard. He's saying, you... you, you have no idea the amount of pressure that we're under. 
But in the midst of all that, he says, we're not in despair. He says, we're not crushed. We may be pressed, but not crushed. He says, man, we're persecuted, but we are not abandoned. While everyone has left us, we're not alone. He says, we're struck down. But watch this. He says, we're not destroyed. And so he concludes in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away. In other words, though outwardly we're suffering loss. Watch what he says. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Listen to the revelation that God is giving you right now. There's something new at work within you right now. Don't miss it because you're focusing on lemons. Don't miss it because you're growing sour and bitter. Don't miss it because you're hurting. Don't miss it because of what people are telling you. Don't miss it because of what the news is announcing to you. Don't miss it because of the circumstances that you're enduring. You may be pressed, but you're not crushed. You may be down, but you're really up. You might feel like everything is crumbling around you, but the scripture says that you're being renewed inwardly and you have everything you need to make it. I love verse 17 because Paul says in the midst of all this hardship, he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all these things around us. Here's the key. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We're not looking at what's seen. We're not fixing our hope and our attention and our faith on what is seen. He says, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. Let me tell you something. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through, but I will tell you this, according to the scripture, this too shall pass. I said, this too shall pass. Whatever you're enduring right now, whatever challenges may be coming your way, this Two shall pass. You know why? Because God has placed treasure in you. And the treasure within you is greater than the hardship outside. Get how this is supposed to work. When you're squeezed from without, you're supposed to press from within. And as you press from within, listen closely. As you begin to press from the inside outward, those things that squeeze you might be trying to crush you, but you will prevail. You will overcome. God is working within you. And so while everything outwardly is wasting away around you, within you there's life being renewed to you day by day. Now, I want you to listen to this from a very practical point of view. This doesn't deny the fact that we're pressed. 
God isn't denying the fact that we're perplexed. God doesn't dismiss the fact that we're persecuted and that we're struck down. If he did, it wouldn't be in his word. But here's what I want you to consider. That while we will suffer some loss and adversity at times, just because you've suffered some loss doesn't mean that all is lost. According to the scriptures, there's something to achieve in the face of adversity, of these light and momentary troubles. And so instead of focusing on your loss, let me encourage you, according to God's word, to focus on the gain. That which is being renewed in you right now. Right now, there are some of you that you have taken a second, a second wind of hope. Listen, it's like the person that runs the marathon. And they're running and they're running. And there comes a point where you're running this marathon that your body tells you, I can't go one more step. It's better to give up. It's like your heart is faltering. Your mind is winning. Your body is telling you you're about to drop. But like the marathoner who's experienced and understands what the, what's in it, what's, what's within the marathon, how this is supposed to work, they begin to tell themselves, I can't give up. I won't give up. I have to keep going. And what happens is this. Eventually, the body responds to the faith of the runner. All of a sudden, your body begins to follow your faith. And God's imploring you and I in the midst of this race of life to take a hold of that which is being renewed within you right now. That hope that's working in your heart. That faith that's being stirred and rising up within you that's saying, man, I'm going to be okay. Mom, that fear that once racked you that now all of a sudden seems small in the midst of God's word. You look at your children right now and you tell them, we're going to be okay. Husband, you grab your wife's hand and you tell her, we're going to be okay. Wife, you look at your husband. You tell your sisters. You tell your brothers. You tell your family, we're going to be okay. There's a greater one at work within us. A greater one that overcomes that which is outside of us. That which comes against us. You're stronger because of what's working in you right now. You're wiser because of it. You're better and you're making it despite the adversity. And so today as we close, I leave you with an encouragement that in the face of the lemons that life throws at you and when the pressures of life squeeze you, you have to squeeze harder upon the faith and trust that you have in God. And as you do, what you'll find is that that which is within you has the power to produce the best results for your life. God calls you an overcomer, not an undercomer.
you rise up and you make lemonade out of the lemons that life is throwing you. God is for you. God is with you. And God will not fail you. I want to pray for you right now. And hey, for some of us that are tuning in, maybe you're not going through some difficulty right now. But the Bible says that you who are stronger should encourage those that are weaker. And so I want us all to join right now in a moment of corporate prayer. I want to pray for you. We're we're praying in all our homes right now. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. The name that is above financial hardship. The name that is above sickness and disease. The name that is above strife and hurt and anger, the name that is above whatever you've been labeled in in life, the name that is above your past, the name that is above your present, and the name that carries you into the future. And right here, right now, we raise our hands. Join us in raising your hands. It's just a sign of surrender. We're saying, God, we trust and we believe in your word. That, Lord, you're leading us into the sweetness, into a land that flows with milk and honey, that you are good. And Father, right here, right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare your great and precious promises, which are true. Your word says that your response to your promises is yes and amen. And so, Father, we agree with your word, and we declare yes and amen that your people are provided for. We declare yes and amen that where there was no opportunity, opportunity is open to you in Jesus' name. We declare that where sickness has racked your body right now in the name of Jesus, health overtakes you. It overruns you and you are, you are bursting with joy and with health and with strength. They told you you couldn't walk. You're getting back up right now in the name of Jesus. We agree with your word, Lord, that because you are for us, who can come against us? And so right here, right now, there's a strengthening to the inward man. I'm speaking beyond your mind, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking right now to your heart, your, your, your new creation, the, the new creation that you are. Right here, right now, God's speaking to you spirit to spirit, and he's ministering strength to you, not just for today but strength that carries you into your tomorrows. And so we rise with hope. We believe in what you've done in Jesus Christ. It's very possible that there's someone here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but today hope in God has been stirred in you. There's a belief that's rising in you that's telling you, I no longer have to settle for lemons. God wants me to to live on the sweet side of life. Friends, that all begins with a personal choice. The best choice you can make in the midst of trying times and any time in your life is the choice to allow God to lead you, to love you, to strengthen you, and to forgive you. The weight you've been carrying of your past, the doubts you've been harboring in your heart, you no longer have to carry those because God so loved you that he gave his one and only son to die to pay the price for sin so that sin would no longer have to be your issue, 
See, there's nothing wrong with you in God's eyes. He paid the price for that. Now what lies in store for you and me and for the entire world is the hope of a God who's awaiting you with open arms, embracing you, sheltering you, and calling you to a new life. If you believe that with us today, then pray that with us as we end here today. Say this with us. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for sin for me. Today I declare that I am loved by God, that I am accepted by God, that you are my Lord and Savior, that you are my God, and that from this day forward, I'm on the sweet side of life. I'm reaping lemonade. I no longer settle for lemons. And Father, I thank you that you lead me, that you guide me, and that you teach me to live this new life. Hey, friends and family, thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.